It's great we can uh, look together at uh, this value of building community. How many, by a show of hands, how many people have looked back and flicked through photo albums and you've seen photos of yourself wearing particular fashions from years gone past and just thought to yourself, what was I thinking? Or you see other people in the, in the photos and you think, what were they thinking? You know, there's, there's this moment where you just go like, oh man, that, uh, that seems odd. I, uh, I was reflecting the other day about how in my early 20s, I was given a shirt, like it was a dark green charcoal-y kind of colour. And uh, for anyone who can remember, this was early 2000s. This was peak time for slogans and mottos on shirts, okay? Has anyone old enough to remember this? Like, uh, it, was, it was a busy period. Anyway, um, so I thought I'd been invited to speak on a Sunday, much like this, at the church that my wife Ellie and I attended. And so I thought, oh, what better thing to do than wear the shirt that I'd been given as a gift? And so imagine this. Um, I'm up the front and on my shirt is a cartoon of a plumber who is hard at work underneath a kitchen sink, okay? And uh, he is working so hard, um, his, his strides have fallen down to, re- to reveal what we would best know as plumber's crack. Plumber's crack. I don't know why plumbers are exclusively branded by this term, but it seems a little unfortunate, but that's the way that it is. Sorry to any plumbers who are here tonight. We won't hold that against you. And underneath the the cartoon and the image of a plumber, like a, a big, bold community service announcement, it just said, just say no to crack. All right? Uh, like, yeah a, du- yeah, a double meaning there, obviously, about plumber's crack, but also drug usage. So it was like a double win in my books. That, that's quite a pun. Well, well done, T-shirt creator. I'll wear that to church. Um, I was going to wear it today, but uh, I thought better of it. I can, I can distinctly recall three conversations that happened in the days following after I wore that shirt to preach at church. And so I'd like to share them with you briefly this evening because I think they speak well to our value of building community. God desires that any Christian community is a tremendous blessing to the people that are part of it. And we read early on in the Bible, in the very first few chapters of the Bible, that creation was not complete until there was community. And so this is really important, the work that Joe Brown is doing, that people would get to read the Bible in their native language, the the, the language of their heart, Joe would say. And those people, maybe for the first time, will see that God has not only blessed us with his son, a saviour, but he has also brought us into a family, a family that is to bless us. And that's why we want to be committed to building community. Now, there's any number of communities that we could be part of. What are the communities that you are part of right now? The different groups of people that you kick around with, that you may have uh, common interests or hobbies or it's a, a situation. Maybe your work is a community or your school age, university, and that's, that's a community, community for you, a sporting club or whatever it may be. Out of all these communities, God intends that Christian community plays a vital part in our development and our uh, willingness and ability to follow Jesus passionately. There's an author, his name's Dan Kimball, and he wrote a book, it's called Adventures in Churchland, and, and he said this, I tried to stay away from the church because I didn't want to get involved in the messiness of it. After all, the church has done and still does some weird, embarrassing and hurtful things. But I just couldn't escape the truth that the Jesus I saw in the Scriptures loves the church, 
despite the mess. And the reason is simple. Jesus loves the church because the church is made up of people. And Jesus loves people. My first conversation that I can remember really clearly was with one of the elders of our church. They called me and said, hey, can we catch up? And they, we arranged to meet. And uh, can you have one guess as to the topic of conversation that came up uh, when we chatted? Yes, the, the T-shirt that I wore. What about the tone of the conversation? What do you think the tone of the conversation may have been with this older, more mature Christian who'd been around our church for a long time, someone who I really respected? What do you think the tone might have been? If you're in their shoes, what tone would you pick? I imagine all of us have experienced times where we're part of a conversation, where the tone that is carried in that conversation leaves us feeling embarrassed or ashamed. Uh, Maybe it's a tone which makes us not want to try better. In fact, we feel so knocked around that we just don't want to try at all. There's going to be moments when we, we do the wrong thing or we do something where we could have done better, where we unintentionally hurt other people. It's going to happen in our families, it's going to happen at our work, and it's even going to happen here at church as part of our church family. And there might be moments where we have conversations where we feel like we want to run and hide in shame. But when conversations are handled a better way, you could even say the right way, Actually, something amazing happens where we come away from conversations feeling closer to other people and we can even feel blessed that we've had. Blessed is a funny word. Like we can, we can, we actually appreciate the fact that someone was willing to have a conversation with us. And this is what happened in that conversation that an elder had with me. And they really patiently, we opened the Bible together and we turned to this passage in Philippians 4, 8, where it says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever's honourable and just and whatever's pure and lovely, Whatever is commendable, and if there's anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And the writer goes on to say, don't just think about these things, begin to meditate on them and act on these things in your life. And this elder went on to describe for me how unintentionally I'd probably acted in a way where I had hurt some people or disappointed some people. And they simply said, I think you could have made a wiser decision the other day. And here's why. And they said, look, there's some people in our church family, for them, you wearing that shirt would have been a big distraction. And there's even some people that are part of our church family for whom that was most likely offensive that you wore that shirt. And I listened as best I could. Actually, I think, I think it was a moment where I listened really well and wanted to take to heart what this person was saying. I wish I could say that of every conversation where someone has tried to express the same values to me in my life, but unfortunately not. But at that time, I remember listening and going, okay, okay. There's a book that I've been reading and it's called, uh, titled A Place to Belong. It's by Megan Hill. I really recommend it to you. It's a, it's a great book talking about how we build community together. And, and she said this. She said, the church is the place where we actively promote one, one another's holiness. We promote one another's holiness. And holiness, if it's your first time in church, when I'm saying holy, holiness, you could equally say, the place is the church where we promote each other to follow Jesus most passionately. We want to be most like Jesus. 
And that brings me to my first point, that community, God designed community that it would build us as much as we build it. Because I look back and I think that was a super important conversation that elder had with me, that leader had with me. When I went to footy on a Saturday, my teammates at footy didn't give a rip about my relationship with Jesus. I could go to Thursday night basketball and those guys weren't interested in how I honour God in my life and how I respect other people as part of my church family. That was a really important thing that Christian leader was doing in my life. I want to ask you the question tonight. Who are the voices? Who are the people that you are open to, to having in your life that are just like that elder in that moment for me? That there's times where they might say to you, do you know what? I think you could have made a better decision there. Not only for your good, but for the, for the betterment of your church family. To encourage other followers of Jesus to holiness. And also... What are you doing when you're in that seat where you're like, you're actually having to have that conversation? I look back and I just think it was amazing that 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 elder, that leader, they wanted to celebrate and cheer on my progress as much as they wanted to cheer on my success. The, The cry of the world is that we would be successful more than anything else. The blessing of church community is that we would have one another and we look at one another and go, I don't care as much if you are successful or not, I just want to see you progress. I want to see you become more like Jesus. I want to see you demonstrate his love more passionately and more transparently in your life. That's an amazing conversation and we are richer and better for having those conversations. I shared this morning uh, for our morning congregation here at our Barrow campus about how I was just so encouraged when I'd rock up to um, church online filming and, and many, of, many of the crew that were serving were probably under the age of probably 25, even sometimes 20, like there'd be parents serving with their teenage children. I'm like, this, it was just so encouraging. And I shared that with our um, congregation this morning and I could see so many heads nodding of appreciation, just going, they are, people are so thankful that we have a generation coming up that is passionately wanting to serve and follow Jesus. Some of you might have seen this um, picture floating around on, um, oh, there's posters around and also on Churchcom social media. And I would encourage you, um, you see here, Erin, just speaking briefly about our internship program that we're kicking off again particularly for uh, those aged 18 to 25, but not exclusively. And can I say, if you, if you feel like, it's this amazing thing that in spite of COVID and the obstacles that our, our society and we have been facing personally, there are people within our church family that feel like God has set them on fire and just lit them up. And if you're in this age group, particularly 18 to 25, can I encourage you to take the next step of just exploring a little bit more about that? You can find out heaps of info on the website. But what we wanna do here is that we wanna do everything we can as a church leadership and a church family to cheer you on. That you, you don't have to go through making the silly mistakes that many of us made. That you can fast track your progress with Jesus rather than just your success. And we would cheer on both those things, success and progress. You can chat to Robbie or see the website for more information. And it doesn't, this isn't exclusively 18 to 25 year olds where we have this conversation where just like that elder needed to sit me down. That, this is a lifelong way of growth and following Jesus together. I just wrote down earlier, the week, earlier in the week, what, how about we be the type of person we'd want in that elder's chair when we're the ones sitting in the chair of that 20-something? 
well-known um, Christian author and pastor, Eugene Peterson, um, said an amazing comment about um, church life. And, and he said this, talking about how we continue to grow. He said, the people we encounter as brothers and sisters in faith are not always very nice people. We don't stop being sinners the moment we begin believing in Christ. We don't suddenly metamorphosize into brilliant conversationalists, exciting companions and glowing inspirations. Some of them are cranky, some of them are dull and others, if the truth must be spoken, a drag. But at the same time, our Lord tells us that they are brothers and sisters in faith. And if God is my father, then this is my family. So the question is not, am I going to be part of a community of faith? But rather, how am I going to live in the community of faith? The second conversation I was part of was with a man that I didn't really know. And he came up and introduced himself at church. I didn't recognise him much. And he shared about the circumstances of which he'd um, come to know Jesus for himself. The quite unusual circumstances he'd come to know God. And uh, as he was speaking, it was like a living demonstration of what Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 5. We've got the words on the screen where it says, anyone who belongs to Christ, that's Jesus, has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And he described some of the circumstances of his old life and also the, the way that he was attempting to live. And he just said, oh, I just feel like God has empowered me and is with me to live this, to live this new life. And as, we, as we're talking, he said to me, oh, you don't know, but that shirt you wore, and I'm like thinking, oh no, another, I've had one good conversation about the shirt. I don't know how many convos I can have about this blinking shirt. I know not to wear it again. Anyway, he said, he said to me two things. He said, do you know what, Jono, that shirt that you wore, it made me realise straight away that God has an amazing sense of humour. God has an amazing sense of humour. And he went on to share how one of the biggest things that he'd been working through in his life was a years-long um, addiction, substance abuse issues, a drug dependency. And he said, the second thing is, that when you, sh you showed up in that shirt and you preached in that shirt, I felt like God saw me and he knew me. He saw me and he knew me. I look back, in that, back on that and I think, maybe just as much as a sense of humour, God has the ama amazing way of using sometimes our silly mistakes, like for better things than what we had in mind, hey? Like I wasn't expecting the drug reference on my T-shirt to actually connect with someone in the second row that day. Any time someone comes to put their faith in Jesus, it's a miracle. Brings me to my second point, which is Christian community is where lives are transformed. Church isn't just a place to come. It's where our lives are continually changed by God's grace and by God's power. And it's where lives are changed. God, uh, we can, uh, God also wants this place and our church family to be a place where we can ask big questions and raise our doubts and share our, our grief together. I take such tremendous hope in the fact that when we, when we sing about the power of the Holy Spirit, that I see that evident in the lives of the people around me in the, in the life of our church. It's so encouraging. I can't imagine going to a, being part of a church family where, we, where we, if we were to sing about God doing incredible things and God using us, and then we didn't really mean that. I'm so thankful that I get to see people of 
so many different ages and stages of life following Jesus passionately. And I, can, I can't begin to tell you what a blessing that is to me and my teenage kids and my family. And, you know, let's not take that for granted that when we worship and we follow Jesus, it's not just something that we're doing, it's actually blessing other people and lives are being transformed. The final conversation that I recall that I want to share with you was with a man in, in our church that I knew relatively well. Um, hands up if you know someone with the gift of evangelism. Hands up if you know someone with the gift of evangelism. Fair few hands. These are the type of people that God has blessed um, Christian community, our church with, that love to talk about Jesus. And you know someone who's got the gift of evangelism when they can actually pair that enthusiasm with, oftentimes these people have just have a real, it's like God opens doors, but they steward their gift well. And this was the example that I'd seen in this man's life. He didn't, like, he didn't just run over people to talk to him about how God had changed his life. He was actually really wise and he would listen a lot and he was discerning and he would, like the Bible talks about, he would be slow to speak and quick to listen to where people are at. And sometimes God blessed him with words that were just like a rock cracking open in someone's life. And he'd just be like, oh my goodness, how do you do that? Like, and he'd be like, that's not me, that's, that's God. And I'd say, well, it is. Anyway, I'd heard about these circumstances where he'd had an interaction with someone. And I just went up to him after one of our church services and just said, I just want to encourage you and just say, you are such a blessing to our church family, the way that you, not only you have this gift, but the way you choose to use this gift and apply this gift. You're like a real steward in that way. I'd heard the story about how he had been travelling for work. He often travelled for work and several hours away and he'd, be, he'd just driving along, minding his own business, doing whatever and there was a hitchhiker on the side of the road and um, he just drove straight past and anyway, it wasn't too f- much further down the road that he felt like God prompted him and said, oh, you need to turn around and pick up that guy. I don't know whether it was habit, his habit or not of doing that but so he's like, okay, and he swung the car around and he came back and he picked up this guy. After a bit of chit-chat, soon enough, really naturally, the more important things, bigger things in life started to come to the surface and they started to talk about those things. And my friend listened intently as this guy shared about what his life had been like and then kind of toot and froed. And eventually his passenger said something like, oh, you, you seem to have a lot of hope and peace and purpose in life. Like, what's going on for you? He said, he just shared the gospel. He shared how Jesus had changed his life and amidst all the circumstances that life might throw at him, he just had a hope and he had a purpose and he found salvation. And so in in that car, this guy said, well, can I have that too? And he's like, yes, yes, you can. Like, you can have that for yourself. And so in this car, travelling, this guy said, well, I want to pray that prayer. I want to say yes to Jesus. I'm like, and I'd heard that story because the guy that he had picked up is the guy that had commented on my T-shirt. Like, that was the same guy. Like, I'm just like, what, God, what are you doing here? Like, this is, this is amazing. Like, this is, this is you at work. And I, and I just thought, that, that's such a random, that's not coincidence. Like, he's just hitchhiking. This guy just feels like he is so down on his luck and like, no car. He's like, how am I going to get to the next place? And he, it was symbolic of his life. This is like, my life has broken down. There's a Christian author, Roger Thompson, where he talks about this and he, he said how he just, he, his dream was to buy this van and travel around with him and his family and like, oh, we're going to live the life and stick the surfboards on the roof and we're going to go places and have adventures. And he said, we wanted to have adventures. We just kept on breaking down. 
And, and he says this in his book, We Stood Upon Stars. I can recommend, um, this is a great book for dads who want to encourage their kids to follow Jesus passionately. Roger Thompson says this, at one time or another, we all get stuck on the shoulder and sometimes courage is us calling for help. There's no shame in being rescued. When shame is shared, it's diluted and a diluted shame has no potency. By repair or rescue, real men and women get back on the road. A life off the highway is no life at all. And I love how my friend had played a crucial part in seeing this man's life get back on the road. And this man's life was going a completely different direction because he'd encountered the love of Jesus. That's my third and final point for tonight. Community gives every person the opportunity for every person to be a blessing. There's no one who's left out in church community. If you come tonight and you're like, I do not know if, if God has gifted other people and blessed other people, I'm not sure about me. God has gifted you and he has uniquely equipped you to be part of his family. We gather at a really interesting time uh, for the life of our church. There's a bunch of, um, a bunch of us here, a bunch of us uh, meeting in person. There's also a bunch of us that continue to meet uh, with via church online and uh, really, really regularly. It was a couple of weeks ago when after a service, um, an in-person service, um, someone just said to me, like, I'm just loving being back in person, but where's everyone else? Where's everyone else? And I could tell their sense of disappointment as they looked around and there were some people that they, you know, two years ago they would sit with and have a cuppa with and all that kind of stuff. And they were just kind of a, not more than, I guess it was sad, grief. Like, um, and I went on to share with them, like, there's some really, there's some really valid reasons why people um, are not choosing or able to gather in person. And so they're choosing to connect with church online. And for some of those people, I know maybe you know these people too in each of these categories where there's people that are visiting family interstate, overseas, now that they have the opportunity after what's been several years of not being able to catch up with people. We've got some people in our Moolap congregation who I know, they've, they've got, they're, they're, the, the grandparents are visiting after having not met a grandchild that was born um, 15 months ago. Really exciting stuff. So there's people off travelling and there's, it's a reality. I don't know if you saw um, a couple of weeks ago at Moolab campus, we, we chatted with a lady named Libby. She's um, at the emergency department at Geelong Hospital. And for people like Libby, um, just particular fields continue to get drawn into extra shifts where they're just like, I would love to get to morning church. I would love to get to evening church. And they're just like under the pump at work. They're like, I, can, I don't have anyone to swap shifts with. And so they'd love to be here more than anything else. There's other people who, with genuine health concerns, they're, they're not at church, they're not going to cafes, they're not going to get their hair cut, they're not doing anything. There's people in isolation and, and doing that whole thing. And, but amongst all those really valid reasons, there's one group of people that um, I'm, I'm really saddened over. And I hope, I believe you would share this sadness. And, and that's in conversations with people where, sometimes they would even say it in their own words, like them not coming to church actually reflects something more important, which is their relationship with Jesus. And just as they may have chosen to distance themselves from their church family, they're actually choosing to distance themselves in their relationship with God. And their faith has cooled. And 
you know, sometimes there's complex things there. Like maybe that's even you tonight. You, you can, in your mind, you can think, I, I, I know someone who, who isn't here and they're not connecting on church online. They just, they just are. And, you know, you feel stuck. And how, how could I have the conversation? What do I do? And, you know, I keep coming back to the fact that it's never God's best for anyone to, to be cool or drift in their relationship with Christ. That's never God's best for any of us. I was encouraged, and I hope this is a small moment of encouragement for you, where I was reading the other day, there's this term that um, church gurus, they look at church health and church life, they use this term rechurched, uh, which, which means someone who used to be connected to a ch- Christian community or church and then had some time away and has come back to church, and often that reflects their faith as well. During that time away from church, they just didn't really live out their faith at all. And so I guess in some way or another, we're all rechurched, hey? We've all had a couple of years break, so we're all in the same, all in the same boat. And this particular researcher said this, 50% of rechurched people return to church because of personal invitation by family or friends. So that's 50% of people that have cooled in their faith, moved away from Christian community, actually come back when they're invited by a friend or a family member. And I read that and I just thought, God, I will take those odds. I will take those odds. And so I would encourage us, if you're feeling down about, you know, there's some people that you would love nothing more than to see them reconnect with church, but also more importantly, most importantly, connect, reconnect and, and have that fire that they once had for following Jesus. I think really simply God would be asking us to pray and to invite. To pray and to invite. And like my mate that picked up the hitchhiker, just be slow to speak and quick to listen and be gracious and be kind and let's see what God wants to do because in Matthew 16 Jesus made this amazing promise where he just said I will build my church and we want to see the church being built because that means that people more and more people are following Jesus passionately that's why we want that and so every time we gather even tonight How's this? We are fulfilling the promise that Jesus made thousands of years ago about what he was going to do. He said, I'm going to build my church and people are going to come together and they're going to worship passionately and they're going to learn together and they're going to open scriptures and they're going to support each other through the ups and downs of life. And we are doing exactly that. And we have a community worth building because God promised that his spirit would join us here. That as we gather, he would be with us. As we go our different directions and we have our weeks, that he would continue to be with us and he wants to bless us. To be with us and to bless us. And there's tremendous hope in that. Let's, let's, let's pin our lives and our hope to that. That's a reason to double down and just even in those moments where we're unsure of everything and just go, God, what what is going on here? I'm full of doubt. I'm full of grief about circumstances. Like we just say, God, come and have your way. Come and have your way. I want to invite the music team up. We're going to sing... um, the words of this final song together as a, as, a, as a prayer together tonight. And I invite you and encourage you, like, you know, sometimes we can struggle to find our own words of prayer. Let these be your words of prayer and dedication this evening.
that God would come and stir and continue to stir in our hearts. I'd invite you to stand if, you would, if you'd be happy to. And I just wanna... I just wanna, wanna, would like to finish with these really simple words before I pray. And again, it was from this book from, by Megan Hill. And she really simply, she just simply said, I'm sure you will see that the church often seems unremarkable. I pray you will also see it as the glory of God. God's best is found in Jesus Christ and we reflect the character of Jesus Christ. God's best dwells amongst His people. God's best is with us and in us. Let's pray together. Lord God, we want to thank You so much for the blessing of Christian community that helps build us. Lord God, we we want to ask Your forgiveness for times when we unintentionally may have been unhelpful to other brothers and sisters in our church family. Lord God, if there's things that You would put on our hearts that You want us to set right, we would ask that You would give us the the courage to do that. Lord God, we would also ask if if someone has wronged us, if someone were to come to us, we would have the right attitude of Jesus and we would just say, oh, yeah, I forgive You. Let's move on together. Lord God, for the hurts that we carry that just can't be resolved or seem just complex, we ask for Your grace. We ask for your Holy Spirit to continue to work in us. Lord God, we want to thank you that we see firsthand you transforming lives. We want to say thanks that each and every person has an opportunity to be a blessing and to be used in your church family. We want to say, come Holy Spirit, come and work in us, come and use us in Jesus' name. We pray, amen.